Sling TV, built to save you money and bring you the channels you love, including ESPN, AMC, HGTV, and more. Watch your favorite comedies, dramas, suspense thrillers, news, sports, and more for just $35 a month. And your first month is only $10. Sign up now and start streaming right away on your TV, phone, and tablet. Take control of your TV solution with Sling. It makes TV flat out better. Go to Sling.com to sign up now and get your first month for just $10. Right Night is a talk show with published authors, writers, and content creators discussing both the creative and technical sides of writing, as well as the industry surrounding it, from novels to screenplays to comics and more. And now, here's your host, author Travis I. Sivart. Welcome to Right Night. We'll get to the topic and discussion in just a moment. For those listening to the podcast, we record the podcast on our live stream at twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk, and we have a live interactive chat audience. You might hear the sound of the bell ding... And that means I want to interrupt somebody to read a comment or question. For those on the live stream, we won't read off everything you put in chat, but we'll try to get to the most relevant, the most amusing, or some combination of the both. Now, while we introduce ourselves, go in and let us know what you're reading, writing, or creating tonight. And while you guys are popping that in the chat, I'm Travis I. Sivart, and our topic is going to be Magical Systems. So the book I'm going to highlight today is going to be the Downfall series and the Portal series. Both take place in the... On the continent of Tyrone in the world of Etheria, one is epic fantasy, and the other one is just kind of swords and sorcery, fun and fast, and takes place 30 years after the other series, after essentially the medieval or fantasy apocalypse happened. So, let's introduce our co-host for this evening. We're going to start with the one that looks most excited, Scott. Oh, boy. Get called on in class when you don't know the answer (laughs) by the teacher. Oh, boy. So I'm Scott. Um, As far as, you know, talking about magic systems here, the reason that Travis says this is because, you know, if I got to be honest, I don't read a ton of fantasy. I haven't even, you know, aside from reading, you know, Harry Potter and when I was younger, um, it, it was only a few years back when my viewers started recommending all these fantasy books to me that I started reading them. And I've come to really love a lot of them for sure, but I'm nowhere near as entrenched in the genre as, you know, Garrett or, or Travis here. Um, in my books, you know, Metal to Angel Weapon, we have the the angel weapons, I suppose, which can be considered a type of magic. All the different characters, they have these weapons installed in their bodies that let them do weird things. Like, there's elemental ones, but, you know, another one can turn back or speed up time on anything that he touches, you know. Things like that. So it's interesting. Uh, I guess we'll get some. Uh, we'll get some maybe devil's advocates or maybe just inexperienced uh, positions and ideas from from me on this conversation. Awesome, Garrett. Actually, uh, so what's really funny is that I think that like probably at least you and I and maybe Travis as well are going to be in like full agreement when it comes to magic systems because uh, we've talked about this before, but. I really love uh, Brandon Sanderson, and I could not disagree with him more when it comes to magic systems, because he has all these rules when it comes to magic and how it works and how it integrates with your story, and I just don't think that that's true 
or accurate, and I really love talking about it. I th- this is a this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, so I'm looking forward to this. Mention your website. Oh uh, yeah, uh, so you can find all my stuff at underrealm.net, where you can find the books of Underrealm that I have published and that I have published uh, written by other authors, and they all feature the same magic system, which I'm sure I will talk about in depth tonight. Very good. Very good. Um, Now, as I mentioned, the topic being magic systems, each of us have written something that can relate to that, but all of us have seen or read different magic systems. Um, I'm pretty confident, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty confident all of us have seen or read Narnia Chronicles, Lord of the Mm -hmm. Rings, um, Mm -hmm. perhaps heard of Dragonlance. Hopefully you missed the animated movie because, oh, it was trash. Oof. I know. (laughs) Not not familiar with that one, but I got you on the first few. Don't. don't. Uh, But anyhow, yeah, there's some classics out there um, or, or modern stuff. You know, George R. R. Martin. There's not really a magic system per se, but there is magic in that world. So here's something I'm going to beat on the whole time, and then we will go into details. Whatever you do with your magic system, make sure it's consistent. Make sure throughout multiple books or a single book or a single chapter, it follows the same rules throughout. It's the same thing for science fiction and, and science that you're making up. Make it consistent. Okay. That's, that's like, you know, my addendum or whatever there. So now we can just go crazy. Yes, Gary. I, I, w- I will say uh-huh. that um, I don't. So, you know, respectfully. Mm hmm. I don't necessarily think that's true because what I love, one thing that I just love in fantasy, and it's a bit of a trope, honestly, you can find it in a lot of series, is, oh, wait, magic works differently than we thought it did. Right. Because that is science. And in fantasy, magic is science. And they're like, well, let me tell you, 1800 years ago, Aristotle said that uh, the sun revolves around the earth, and therefore that is how it works, and that's how science works, and that's how it's always worked, and then one person is like, but I think that I have discovered evidence that the earth revolves around the sun, and it's like, heresy, but they're like, that person is correct. You right. know what I mean? I that's that's a thing that I love exploring. I think that um for you as the author, you need to know what the truth is, right? But it is okay for magic to work one way and then for it to gradually or not gradually shift into working another way when somebody's like, "Wait. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, what if I just try to do this see, and it works?" That's a good plot twist. But it's still consistent with your story. You you didn't yes. break your own rules that you set up initially. You changed it because new information was introduced or a new way of doing things. And that's awesome. Yes. That's great. But to go, well, we can only make pink bubbles with magic. Suddenly there's a, you know, <laughs> orange elephant the size of a cat. Well, where'd that come from? Well, we're not going to talk about that. It's just here now. 
Uh, you know, anybody, you guys read the Discworld books? Any Terry Pratchett fans yes. here? Yes. I'm currently in a reread right now. It's, I'm reading a few of them for the first time. Scott, what is your fantasy background, even if it's only the past couple of years? Can you name a few authors or series or books that you've read in fantasy? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as just straight fantasy, it's like, you know, the, the, the big ones, you know, like the Game of Thrones, um, the, uh, the, uh, the King Killer Chronicles, you okay. know, by Patrick Rothfuss that has extensive, you know, and, and magic systems. But it, it's kind of interesting for me because, again, maybe it's because I'm a latecomer to this genre. But when I like I hear this all the time from um, my viewers and online and whatever, I hear that, you know, like, oh, the character, I was reading a book, and the characters were okay, and the story was fine, but man, the magic system was really cool. And to <laughs> me, as like a foreigner, it's like hearing, oh, the, the plot was okay, and the characters were okay, but the currency system, oh my god, it was so cool. Yeah. Like, okay, I, I don't really get it, you know? And it's because for me, the magic system is just a part of the story, you know? And I, I'm Imagine. more interested in... Somebody imagine somebody reading a comic book and they're like, yeah, the art was okay, the characters are okay, but the color palette was beautiful. <laughs> and that's what it, this is just their thing. That's their geek, their their right. you know technicality sure, and, and that they fine. love. But I'm with you. I'm kind of yeah. like, and right, and but it's just. If, if it was just one or two people here or there, you know, saying that, then I would be, okay, whatever, that's fine. But it's, it's, it's I get this quite often, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's wrong or whatever. I'm just, I am kind of intrigued as to how, you know, a, a magic system can carry an otherwise kind of so-so story for so many people. Because for me, the only reason that I would care about a magic system is how woven it is into the story itself like e even something that might not even be considered a magic system like like uh, like death note if you've ever read the manga death yeah. note or the anime like is the death note a magic system where you write somebody's name in the note and they die is that a magic system kind of kind of yeah whatever but the point yeah, the point is is that the the story couldn't exist without that magic in it, you know, right. and that's what I'm concerned about. Not so much, you know, the, the coolness or whatever, but just does it, what's the story around that system, you know? It's, yeah. I like that too. Let me read a couple comments. Garrett, I see you taking a breath. I think you want to say something, but I'll read a few comments and then cut you loose. Uh, Goblin asked, would you, would one create all these rules only to break them at a special moment? I don't even think that question has to relate, re, re, relate to magic. I think in general, that's something a writer does. You set up all these things, and then you go, surprise! Um, yeah, but in terms of magic systems, I am literally doing that right now in what I'm writing right now. It's it's great. It's a wonderful feeling. It's fantastic. No wonder you came out like that with the first, with the very opening there. You're like, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Bubble says it's funny because a lot of ideas that used to be considered science back in the day have seen new life in fiction as magic, like the Aether, which was sort of the precursor to quantum field theory. Yeah, there is a lot of that stuff. And uh, also, if you've read enough sci-fi or fantasy, you'll hear people say at some point in time, magic is science that have, hasn't yet been discovered can't yeah. explain the science it, it feels like magic 
It's uh, totally. So yeah, and I think that one thing you know, again, I'm speaking as someone who is not an expert in this by any stretch of the imagination. But I think if you are someone who enjoys magic systems and is writing a story, it's important to think about what kind of story you want to tell, and as far as you know, rules and all that. Because like, if you're going to write a story like. Um, like a Lord of the Rings story where you're following the adventures of, you know, these two hobbits who do not have magic, then maybe you don't need to know the rules so much. Gandalf right. just comes in and does whatever Gandalf does, and it doesn't really matter to Frodo and Sam, you know? But if you're writing something like, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender, then maybe where your character is, your main characters are using this elemental bending magic, then you got to understand the rules, and the characters need yeah. to understand the rules, and... It has to make sense because if your character just starts doing all this willy-nilly magic from the beginning, then no one's going to care, you know. And conversely, if you your Gandalf is doing these this magic that has specific rules and makes perfect sense and whatever, it's going to be like it's going to feel a little bit strange that your main characters, your Frodo and Sam, can't do the magic either, you know. So right. it's kind of again making sure that the story around whatever magic system you have kind of fits that story, you know. Yeah. How many rules do yeah, you actually make for your magic system, Garrett? Because I make very few. I make guidelines. They're, they're like a couple bullet points, so I make sure I stay within the framework. So, for me, um, I... Oh, God. I love Brandon Sanderson. Right. And I love his magic systems. Right. Every book that I've read of his, I'm just like, Oh, this is so cool. He made another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I feel I feel the same way um, uh, reading a Brandon Sanderson book that I feel uh, uh, playing D&D or any other uh, tabletop role-playing game where I'm like, oh, look how this rule interacts with this rule. And, and like, oh, I can do this with this. And oh, what if you apply this rule to this thing over here? And as a writer, I fucking oh one per episode. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. I hate, I hate it. I hate writing these things. I hate trying to figure them out. They're so boring. I really enjoy consuming them, and I don't like creating them at all. So my magic system is pretty soft, and uh, for me personally, I justify that to myself as like, listen. The most popular non-religious book of all time was Lord of the Rings, which is the softest magic system ever until it was replaced by the Harry Potter series, which is softer. It is less clear in terms of how its magic works. So you don't need a hard magic system in order to make your magic work for readers and in right. order for them to enjoy your story and go on an, uh, on an emotional journey. And I think that taking like a little bit from both camps can serve a lot of writers very well because let's face it in, t in today's day and age, a lot of people are, no matter what, if you're writing fantasy with magic, people are going to measure you against Brandon Sanderson. They just are. And so adopting some things like you were talking about, Travis, consistency. Consistency is very important. And in Sanderson's work, what's really hilarious to me is that 
he in the Mistborn series, which is like one of my favorite fantasy series of all times, mm-hmm. he establishes establishes these clear rules for how magic works. And then at the end of each book, he breaks it just a little. And it's in a way that you can justify as a reader. You're like, oh, nobody realized that before. Right. But it makes total sense because A, B, and C that he had established beforehand. And that's the sweet spot where I love to live. Where, like, I have rules, but, like, they're always just pushed a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. I feel like... If you made them hard and, and wrote them down and created this tech list of, it'd be like one of those hard sci-fi books where it's just too much technicality to the point where I, as a reader, I don't care. I don't need that much. Um, and hold on. In response to the D&D comment from Garrett, in Critical Failures, they use a bag holding to drain water from a hole to keep themselves from drowning. See, that's that's fun magic. And and why not? But yeah, I don't want. And why not? Just one thing that you you just said there, you know, coming up with all these rules and whatever. It reminds me of an interaction that I had when I was running these IRL writing groups in Boston. Um, and I, after one workshop, there was this guy who came up to me and he was like, "I need help creating a story in my world." And I was like, "Okay, well, what's your world about?" And he slams this three-ring binder onto the table that's like full of like hundreds of pages of just, you know, history and dynasties and characters and the magic system. I don't even remember what the magic system was like 6 years later, but he had pages upon pages about how this magic system in his world worked. And I was like, "Okay, great. What's the story you're trying to tell here though, friend?" And he said, I, that's the problem. I don't know. Every time I try to start <laughs> telling a story in this world, it gets contradicted by something or I can't do it or whatever. And I just felt so bad for him because he'd spent so much time crafting this world in this magic system, but he couldn't, <clears throat> he couldn't do anything with it, you know? So I think it, for beginner writers, I think it might just be so easy to get caught up in the mechanics of how everything works that you forget yeah. that it's, you're supposed to be telling a story, you know? So. I don't know. For me personally, I would much rather, you know, have someone write a story and then develop the system as they go along, you know, that yeah. way it's serving the story rather than the other way around. You create a magic system and shoehorn a story into it, you know. And I, for me personally, I think that that is a great out for a lot of beginning writers. I I have a lot of techniques that are like for beginning writers, which is like establish all your rules nail them down just within an inch of their life and say like it works definitively this way and then uh, the basis of your story can be what about when those rules break which is like actually the whole foundation of my fantasy uh series is that everybody knows there are four types of magic four and only four they exist everybody's seen them everybody knows they're real and then the, the, like the foundation of the whole story of all of my books is two new branches show up. Why? What are they? Where do they come from? Why didn't anybody know about them before? And there's so much story potential there. You just have to be willing to break the rules that you've already established. And so it's like advice for beginning writers. Establish your rules to within an inch of their uh, inch of their lives and then establish why they are broken in your story. And you've got a lot of fertile ground to plant your story seeds in. Yeah, and I think something that works there with what 
Garrett is saying is that, you know, from what I'm hearing about your story is that your story couldn't exist without this magic system. The whole conflict is based around the, uh, the magic system there. So I think that's the sign of, you know, uh, good planning rather than just kind of, you know, taking an unrelated magic system and an unrelated plot and throwing them together. Now, to add to what Garrett said, I like what he's saying there, um, and I'll add this to it. Build your rules, nail them down with an inch, if that's what you want to do before you write your story. If you're not that type of writer, this is not a requirement. Now, that being said, um, I totally forgot what else I was going to say. Damn it. <laughs> um, I'd like to blame it on being late, please. <laughs> it's late for both of us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it had something to do with... Uh, Oh, world building. Okay, your magic system is part of your world building. And I generally give the advice of when you're building your world, you only need to build... You can build as much as you want and go as far and as wide as you want. But like your person in Boston with that folder, there's a time where you get locked into doing that and you never write your story. The only world you need to build is what your character is experiencing in that scene, and you can expand it as that character explores the world. That includes the magic system. But it is necessary. Are you talking to Cogsley and Chad there? <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> Stop flirting with my bot. No, I'm kidding. Everybody else does. Um, but yeah, this is world building. This is part of your setup and structure. And remember, it's a tool. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's one of the many things you have to build your story around your characters. And don't let it get away from you so it overshadows that sort of thing. Use it like Garrett is saying. You know, here's your huge shadow. It's overshadowing my characters. Now let's break it and let something come through that. And now you have a great concept for a story. And I noticed, fun fact. Go ahead, Garrett. Uh, I was just going to say a hundred percent like you can you can world build and that includes your magic system as much or as little as you want to. Obviously, nobody can stop you from doing that. But at some point, you got to look at like, how is this serving your story? Right. And to a degree, I only world build and establish my rules for magic as far as it is helping the book that I'm writing right now. And you know what? Maybe. 50 books in that will be a restriction maybe that will actually right. like hamper what i'm writing but i'm 15 books in and it hasn't been a hindrance so far so i'm willing to stick with it see and also over that kind of length you definitely want the ability to flex a little bit change your magic system because it makes it interesting of course if we look at laws of nature you have your sun rises in one side, sets in the other. Of course, you can change that or break that, but that changes everything else around it, too. Uh, gravity works a certain way. Weather works a certain way. And there's a level of expectation. So you have those ground rules. And yes, you could break them. And magic systems are no different. They're part of that world. They're part of that nature. And there are certain expectations, but you can't have a tornado in your weather system. You can have an eclipse in your sunrise and sunset system. So you can have these moments where something weird happens and it changes and it breaks it. And here's a fun fact that I've noticed. None of us 
are detailing our specific magic systems. As much as we love what we do and the systems we've built and we created and we work with, notice they're not on the tip of our tongue. They're not the important thing in this conversation. That's more like sitting at a bar with a drink going, oh, I like to do this with this. This is something bigger. And Scott, you were reluctant with this topic because you you know your fantasy background and everything, but I see you're you're adding a lot to it because you're a reader and and more important, and not more important. Also, you're a writer and you understand the concept of a system within a written world and how it works and interacts. No. Yeah, and you know what you said a few minutes ago, Travis, where like you know writing the story and kind of developing these systems as you go along. I think that's the way that you want to do it. You know, that's what I tell people all the time when they talk about their world building or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't give a crap about the world building, write the story, world build as you go, make sure it fits the story. But I think that there are a lot of people who really want to do it the other way around and they want to world build first and they want to come up with their magic system and whatever. And what I would say to, you know, to those people is there are a couple questions that you want to ask yourself, you know, rather than... At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Then making your periodic table of right. magic or whatever is more just, you know, asking yourself questions like, what are the, sure, my magic can do this, but what are the weaknesses of my magic? What are the drawbacks and the consequences of using it? And, you know, what are the ramifications and ripple effects of this magic um, on the world, you know, and, and, and kind of go from there, you know. Um, I, I remember I, we did a stream a while ago where we built our own magic system because, of course, you know, that's what the people want to see. Right. And I think we came up with some sort of, like, prophecy magic um, in our world. And it's like, prophecy magic usually is really boring or whatever. So we said, okay, well, what are some weaknesses and consequences that we can do for um, prophecy magic? And let's say, oh, the people who make prophecies they have to like turn their brains onto their, they have to overclock their brains in order to make these prophecies and it slowly makes them go more and more insane the more they do it. And in order to overclock their brains, they have to do these horrible, horrible things in order to tap into that power, you know, and they have to do more and more horrible things every time in order to get that, you know, and then it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. Now we go from this like boring prophecy magic to something that's actually interesting by asking ourselves these questions you know again what are the weaknesses the ramifications the consequences so i think if you're somebody who does enjoy that kind of you know like top-down world building where you start with the world and then create the story those are the kind of questions you want to ask not necessarily the periodic table of magic or whatever you know bubble says i'm one of those people i love world building and i really wanted to make a world and lay the foundation for the stories i can tell i also really wanted to do in a way that explores what Scott was saying, like weaknesses and caveats and things like that. Also because I drawing maps is fun. Commander Bubbles, what I have seen is people will writers will use any excuse to not actually write their damn story. 
And world building is one of those things I have seen so many, especially newer writers come in and they're like, I'm world building. I'm like, great. What's your character? I'm world building. Um, okay. What's your story? There's going to be werewolves. And I'm like, okay, so nothing. That's what I'm hearing. You got nothing. Um, Scott laughed. I wasn't talking about anybody specific, okay? <laughs> Go. Somebody else talk for a second. I'm busy. <laughs> I, 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 had, I had a really funny experience uh, with my whole uh, fantasy universe of Underrealm. So uh, long ago, in another life, when I was working on film, I had this idea for a series that was an epic fantasy series. And it featured these two uh, cell swords, and they were very worldly. And they and and one of them had re- one of them was a wizard, and he was hiding the fact that he was a wizard because he didn't like the expectations that it put on him. And one of them had just discovered that she was the chosen one. That trope. She was the prophesied hero, and she was like, no, 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 no. I don't want no. I don't want any part of this. I no, please. I was very happy with my life when I was just nobody. I don't want this. And uh, I I wrote that uh, like script back in my filmmaking days, and I was like trying to get it made, trying to get it made, didn't happen. And then I got into writing, and the very first thing I tried to write was that. And what I ran into when I tried to write that as a book was that these were two very worldly people. They had been around. They had seen a bunch of stuff. And I started writing it, and I got uh, 20,000 words in, and I was just like, I don't know anything about this story, this world. I don't, I don't know the world that these people exist in. And so what I started doing was I started writing another series set in the same world uh, from the perspective of a, a, a girl who knew nothing. She knew nothing. And so every new thing she encountered, I was able to make up on the fly. Right. Because it was fine. She didn't know how magic worked, what a mystic was, what the nine kingdoms were. She didn't, she was a backwards little girl in the forest. She didn't know anything. And ironically, that became my flagship series where everybody was like, I also don't know anything about all of the things you're talking about. And now, 15 books and four series later, I'm finally going back to that original series that has like held my heart for so long because now I understand the world. So there is a, there is a point at which you can just like world build to fit your story. And there is also a point at which if your story is a certain kind of story, you need to do a little bit of world building first before you can really understand how your story fits into your world, if that makes sense. It's a couple of comments. I'll get to these in just a second, folks. Um, Yeah, growing with your character is always helpful and important. It it gives you that place to explore. And once again, I I should have wrote it down. i got to start writing down everything I think when you guys are talking because I'm busy listening. Uh, let's read the comments. It'll come back to me in a moment. Uh, Goblin had the question of thoughts on world building using magic in an established setting, modern times, Old West, etc. And Commander Bubbles says, that's a good way to do it. Have the audience figure th- out things alongside the character. And uh, there was some chosen one comments. Um, 
So how about that? The uh, world building using magic in an established setting. Uh, I, I love taking something well-known and mixing a new element into it. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, whatever whatever gets you excited, just just write it. Who cares? You know, If you want to have, you know, people, dragons on the moon, then write about dragons on the moon. You know, if you want to have, I don't know, fire magic underwater, like, then do it. That sounds great. Do, do whatever you want, you know? There's always going to be an audience for for something, you know, you should never not write something because it's like, oh, I'm not allowed to mix magic and, I don't know, firefighting for some reason. No, mix magic and firefighting. That sounds awesome. You know, I would love to, I'd love to see, you know, those, those things kind of mixed together. Actually, you know, that does sound kind of, awesome. Would you do that in a fantasy yeah. or a modern world? Because can you imagine a wizard as a firefighter? That'd be awesome. I want to read about yeah. it. And I think that, that's one other thing I want to say is like, you know, I, if magic systems are fun and cool and whatever, but the most important part of writing a story is what you bring to the story, your unique personality. Like if you're a plumber and you think, oh, I have no stories to tell, I'm a plumber, write about a wizard being a plumber. That was, yeah. that sounds great, you know, or, or a plumber on a space station or something, a sci-fi story, you know, that's going to bring your experience and your passion, well, maybe not passion, but your your feelings on, you know, your own unique life experience that's going to make the story worth reading you know not whatever magic you come up with i would read both those plumber stories by the way <laughs> yeah totally serious yeah yeah like a wizard that's a plumber or a plumber on a space station I, that is one reason that existing in fandom spaces is so valuable because uh you know for um for the the main thrust of the story that i'm writing now that is again you know very late in me creating this universe um i've got this chosen one and the chosen one is a very familiar trope frodo right. was a chosen one right you know uh harry potter is like the chosenest of chosen ones and um when you exist in spaces where people are fans of like the most popular stuff ever, they toss out lots of AUs, which is alternate universe, like other ideas, other, other concepts for how this story could have gone. And one that I just, that I just love is the chosen one who doesn't want any part of it. They're just like, no, no, I'm, I'm Karen. I live in this cottage on the corner. I don't I don't want any part of this. The reluctant hero. I don't hero. have anything. You know, yeah, exactly. And and the reluctant hero is, you know, its own trope. Mm -hmm. But um that was a that was a big uh impetus for me was like what if you found out that you were like the reincarnated comes every few several generations hero? And you didn't know it, and suddenly you found out, and you were like, but I don't want that. I have these other things that are way more important to me. I have and a question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm really curious, is your is your Karen on the corner in the cottage who doesn't want to do this, is she like 17, or is she like 47? Because I think it'd be hilarious She's if she was like 47, past middle age, and just like... You gotta be kidding me! I've got three grown kids. <laughs> okay, go on. So that would be great. 
in my in my total total chosen one trope uh she is uh 25 so she's right okay. in like that very uh you know 18 to 36 bracket still in her peak always though, courting. Yeah. yeah the other the other series that i've got the two main protagonists are both like firmly middle age they're like they've been around the block They've done this, they've done that. They've been bartenders and mercenaries and, you know, just like everything in between. And they're just like, ah, oh, this is kind of exhausting, isn't it? Like, ah, oh, boy, I've done all this before and I don't want to. And then to it, she's not a chosen one, but she, it's hard to say without spoilers, but she basically <laughs> is like, oh, I have to actually do a thing now. Like, don't I? Like, like my dest- my life is calling me to do this thing. Uh, all right, strap on the old shield. Uh, Imagine doing a fantasy series, a buddy series, with Gandalf, Gimli, and Elrond on a road trip. Where they're the ones that pull all the strings. They're the ones that manipulate people. And here they are like... Oh, damn it. We've got to go mess with the hobbits again because we've got to kick them in the butt so they go do this thing. Throwing Gimli into that mix is the best thing ever. Yeah, and not Legolas. Elrond. Elrond, who is all haughty and like, oh, we just don't have time for this. Uh, And Gandalf like, ah. What is this? Are we talking about magic systems? (laughs) There's magic. We've gone really (laughs) far afield at this point. Yeah, we're, we're writers. What do you want from us? <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier. There is nothing like writing raw fantasy where you can just make stuff up on the fly. It's so much fun for me. But once you're so many books in, you actually have to do research. And the way you have to do research is by going back through your own muddled, messy notes or rereading your novels and hoping you put it in there because there's this one thing that you know is a rule that you put somewhere. So using your own notes as research is, well, you can't Google it. <laughs> it's a, Though sometimes if you have a fan base, I do not have this kind of fan base, you could just put it on the message board going, what happened in episode 36 when Kirk tore his shirt? Somebody will have the answer for you. Yeah. It's, uh, I learned I, I learned from the, uh, the world of uh, film and television. And uh, before I started writing anything, I started a world Bible document. Right. And that document is now 300,000 words long, which is <laughs> about three times longer than any of my individual books. Like, I've got everything in there and the thing i've had to learn is that you will still find sometimes things that you're sure you put in a book but you can't find it in the bible Mm -hmm. and so you have to go like digging through your books right so so my question for you garrett then is you have this three hundred thousand word document of the bible for your series but is, is everything that's in that bible is that present in your series or is a lot of it just for you no well uh, 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 a minority of it is just for me, but a majority of it is actually referenced. And so I, I whenever I put something in the Bible, I reference uh, book three, uh, you know, 
page or, or, or chapter blah uh, this and I will actually like copy paste from so 300,000 words is probably like a little bit overblown because I, I, I copy paste a lot of text references from what I already wrote but I'll paste the actual quote that's in a published book where I'm like, and Dorsey took the field and their banners were red and yellow and da da da. And it's the actual paragraph from the book. And so I'm like, okay, if I ever have Dorsian colors in the future, it's red and yellow because I said it was in the third book. And how do you find everything? Oh, boy. That's Scrivener what I'm talking great. about. <laughs> <laughs> Scrivener is great. It's really awesome. Like I have, uh, actually, I have my uh, world building, uh, my story bible open right here, and so I have like three major sections, which is like uh, characters, locations, and a third thing that I can't remember right now. And then those are all subdivided, and then those are all subdivided, and it's just I, my system makes sense to me. It's all that least. matters. That's all. The- yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me read two comments here, and we'll get into some wrap-up thoughts here uh, after we respond to this. Commander Bubble says, My thought process has included things like, what if we had a Japanese psychic and her werewolf girlfriend fighting a giant squid? And, what if we had the Pope fighting Nazi ghosts with a sword? Th- there's nothing to reply to that. I just thought it was great. I wanted to read it. Um, yeah. Bubbles also says the feeling of, wait, did I put that in that story? Time to control left just to be sure. Yeah. And I've had that before yeah. where, and heaven forbid, you make up a name and there's like <laughs> vowels next to each other and you spell it differently through your whole book <laughs> or you spell it differently once, once. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen with like a country name also where I'm like, did I spell it right? The whole book. So I'll do a, a search through the whole book before I, you know, publish and spell it both ways and make sure it's not in there twice. You want to hear? You want to hear a, a, a horror story here? Go on for a second. Early in my career, this has since been fixed, so you don't have to worry about it now. I had an editor, and this editor took my book. And as as you two are well aware when an editor takes your book and then they send it back to you as a word document as is like you know probably the standard there's a lot of track changes with all of the things that they changed and those are the things that you're supposed to review and be like do i like that change do i not like that change? right what's good about that change what's bad about that change this editor <laughs> made changes when track changes were off and I didn't realize it for like a year, but he had returned my book manuscript. Uh oh. Character's Uh-oh. name, Lauren, misspelled three times in the book as Lorem with an M. And I didn't realize it for a year until somebody was finally like, there's this typo, and I'm sure you probably already know about this and just haven't been able to fix it. And I was like, I did not know about this typo. So, anyway, that is a that is a horror story for uh, <laughs> know and, and trust the people you work with. Because whether it is the spelling of your main character's name, because I cannot let that go ever, or your magic system, they better know what they're talking about or you shouldn't be working with them. It's true. 
Scott, yeah. any closing thoughts on this topic? Um, nothing nearly as passionate as you know, <laughs> misspellings in your book. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> I, although, I, you know, um, I think it was about a year ago when my sequel came out, I did a 12-hour stream where uh, I read my first book on stream uh, to, to people, and as I was reading it, someone pointed out, oh, that's a that's a misspelling right there on like page six or something, and oh, that was uh, that was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. And I've I've had mis I've had to translate for you know between Japanese and English between mayors in front of audiences of thousands and mess that up, you know. And that was nothing compared to having a misspelling pointed out on stream. It was awful. <laughs> but uh, as far as uh, magic systems go, you know, closing thoughts for for me, it, it's all about just you know thinking about the ramifications of those magic systems. Um, maybe this might come off as blasphemy to some people. I know it always comes off as blasphemy when I say it to my chat, but I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. I, you know, I've watched it, but I love the, the, the bending and the magic, you know, in there. So maybe I do understand where, like, the people who say they love the magic system are coming from a little bit. And what I love the most about it is just seeing how it affects the people's everyday lives, you know, how they use this magic to build their society, how the earthbenders, you know, use the earth to create this intricate system of like slides and stuff that they use to ship things all around their city and how the waterbenders, you know, use their waterbending to have like this, you know, to bring up this giant wall of ice that people can go in and out of, you know, just those, the, the little things, that's what makes it, um, that's what makes it really pop out, you know? So I think always thinking if you're going to have the magic system and you want to start from the top bottom and plan your story that way, that's fine. But, you know, again, like we said, rather than coming up with rule number one, rule number two, rule number three, I just think of, you know, ripple effect number one, ripple effect number two. What are the average people's lives like here? You know, it's it, it's like it's like going on a date, you know, or have, being in a relationship. The big dates are fun and whatever, the big splashy battles with the magic and whatnot. But it's, it's all about the little things, you know, at the end of the day, just sitting down with somebody in, in your pajamas watching a movie or something. You know, that's the stuff that really matters. And that's the stuff that you really remember as a reader. And do make sure you know who that person is before you go in their house and sit on their couch in your pajamas. <laughs> Garrett, yeah. <laughs> closing thoughts. I I I think that um, in general, in general, your magic system needs to serve what is important to you in what you're writing. Um, I I'm a I'm I'm just the like I've said I'm the biggest Tolkien nerd that I know, and. Tolkien had the softest magic system ever, and that doesn't hamper the story at all. His soft system doesn't hamper his story. Sanderson is another, inc like, I just love him as a writer, as, as an author so much, and his magic system enhances his story. But, uh, and I, I mentioned, I dropped this in chat, but... Um, secret worlds as an as an uh, an analogy where like the magic world is a secret world uh harry potter wise nobody knows that wizards exist right. or in a ton of other series where like nobody knows that vampires exist werewolves exist all that sort of stuff i enjoy reading good series written that way and i've tr i've experimented with them as a writer and it's just exhausting i don't like writing it you know and so, like, I love reading Sanderson's magic systems because I feel like I'm solving the problems of the magic system. When I try to write them, I just become exhausted. 
and I just I don't enjoy it at all. So as a writer, your magic system should serve not only the story, which is the most important thing, but also like, do you like it? Do you do you have fun with it? And if you're not having fun with it, then you need to retool it because, uh, you know, as uh, the three of us have talked about before, if your writing isn't serving your life, if it isn't making your life better than the time and effort that it takes to put into it, why are you doing it? You know, you shouldn't be doing something like that if it's making your life worse. And so uh, evaluate the, the, the various factors of your magic system and make sure that it is not only making your work better, but making your enjoyment of it better. And you probably won't steer wrong. I don't have a lot to add after you guys. You kind of covered it very well here. I will just add this is uh, your magic system as world building. Absolutely enjoy designing that. Delight in it. Don't let it stop you from writing the actual story. Don't get so bogged down and caught down in creating the technicals and the minutia that are delicious and fun, but nobody cares. Get the basics get your character, start moving your story. This is just seasoning in your meal of a book. Okay, say goodbye to everybody. Let's get out of here and uh, we'll catch you again next time. Bye, Bye. everybody. <laughs> I forced them to say goodbye. <laughs> here we go. Before we go, I want to remind everyone that you can email us at writenightshow at gmail.com. That's right with the W, night with an N, show at gmail.com. To let us know your thoughts on the show's topics, suggest other topics you'd like to hear us discuss, or just have a message read out on air to someone in your life. Thanks to everyone for supporting the show by downloading the podcast, sharing it on social media, grabbing some shirt stickers and mugs from bit.ly slash tavern merch, or barware patches and hats from bit.ly slash tavern merch too. That's bit.ly slash tavern merch or tavern merch followed by the number two. Thanks to everyone who joined us live at twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk and everyone who supports the tavern by subscribing, hosting, throwing bits, raids, and most of all, commenting. Thank you for joining author Travis I. Sivar and the other writers, content creators, and all around amazing people for our discussion here on Right Now. Join us again soon, and until you do, make sure you create with passion, enjoy the journey, and remember, every night can be right now. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org holiday. That's childrensnational.org holiday.